The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. Let's start with football and the Premier League run-in. And what a fixture we have at half past 12 tomorrow when we have Manchester City at home to Liverpool. But, Mark Lawrenson, it's a real sign of how this season has gone that over the last four years there was a one-point difference between Manchester City and Liverpool in their point totals. What is it the gap is going into tomorrow's game? 19 points? Yeah. Yeah, Matt. I mean... Um, by Liverpool's own high standards, it, it's it's been a poor season for them, um, and I think that we, that we knew within the first few weeks of the season when we looked at the, the lack of numbers quality for the midfield area, which is is in in that particular team in, in the, the success that it's had, that's been the main driving factor. Yes, you know Salah goals, Van Dijk defence, all that, but the midfield in in, in any team basically. Is, is is a hub of everything, and it's it just really disappeared. And even though they've got some of the players back, they've still not been convincing. Man Man United seven nil, yeah, fantastic. But then you go to then you go to uh, Bournemouth three or four days later and get beat one nil, and that probably has been the sum of their season in in those two games. Which is a very interesting point, Tony. We consider what they've got in the week ahead because they start at Manchester City tomorrow. They have to go, or they have Chelsea coming to Anfield on Tuesday night, and then they have to go to play Arsenal next weekend because those three games could decide, really, couldn't they, as to whether they're going to get into next year's Champions League. But based on what we've seen this year, how much hope can Liverpool fans have of three good performances in a week? Well, Matt, if you consider Liverpool have lost eight uh, Premier League games this season, um, I think it's enough. Me and Mark have had this conversation with you. I think it's been quite predictable of Liverpool all season of, you know, how they're playing, how easy it is to score against them. You know, the Bournemouth game, Matt, the warning signs were there very early on. Again, Alisson had to make a save or two, getting in behind the back four. That happened to Wolves away as well early on the game, end up getting battered at Wolverhampton Wanderers. We've seen this performance so often, Matt, and... The only hope I think you can say for Liverpool this week is having all these really tough games that when Liverpool, and when they can turn it on, they can be devastating. I think what, that's what Liverpool fans are hoping for. You can see the very best of Liverpool at the moment because what we've seen so far this season, Matt, I, Champions League is nearly the same as Premier League for me. They've been hugely disappointing. And, you, you know, you talked about the midfield, Matt, there earlier, and if you can't win the ball in there, if teams get through you and out, you know, just outmaneuver you and you can't make tackles like you once did, you end up conceding loads and loads of chances. And I, that's been the common theme all season for Liverpool. What about though tomorrow? Because there are rumours that Erling Haaland may not be available for Manchester City because of the injury mark that kept him out of Norway's games in the last couple of weeks. I mean, how much difference will that make if it's the case? Well, it, it'll make a difference, obviously, because he's just such an imposing figure. But I think, you know, so, so, sometimes when he hasn't played, um, you know, they, they've, they've actually looked better. I mean, that actually sounds ridiculous, as I said, because of all the goals he scored. They've probably been more fluent. And, you know, it's taken quite... A, you wouldn't say, 
you wouldn't say that as good as Haaland has been in goal scoring, that it's made City better, Matt. It's it's when you watch them without a centre forward, you know, the false nine, all that kind of thing in previous seasons, they they they've looked absolutely fabulous and, and they've kept the ball and they've they've worked the opposition and create managed to create enough chances. So yes, it it, it, it is it is a difference, but um we can only remain to be seen tomorrow. The other thing is I think you said that um that that Liverpool have got Chelsea at home and Arsenal away. I think it's the other way around, Matt, isn't it? And Arsenal's next weekend. Chelsea's Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, Chelsea's away though, isn't it? No, oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, but the um, then with Manchester City, Tony, no Phil Foden, appendicitis, but they weren't using him anyway. And can they be as dangerous with Alvarez in a centre forward? Well, they're dangerous side, full stop, Matt. I mean, we, we've watched them. You know, I've seen Mares play out right wide and do really well. Grealish, likewise. Um, Alvarez has chipped in, Matt. Uh, you could argue that if any club in the country could, uh, you know, afford to have some of its so-called stars out of the team, we've seen De Bruyne been left out of times this year, and City can still go and win games. They're uh, such a same, such a dangerous side in many ways, and the speed of the way they play. Um, it's a weird one because Haaland is so good and we know what he's all about. And yet, like Mark said, you think, well, what does that change really? We can just revert back to what we did last season. That will still win us games. And that's what Man City are as a team. That's why it's important that Arsenal keep this gap away from City because obviously, I think mid-April, you know, they, they face our, uh, Man City um, so at the Etihad match. So Arsenal are desperate to keep that, that bridge, that gap in front of them. So Arsenal will know the outcome of the Manchester City-Liverpool result by the time they play Leeds tomorrow at three o'clock. And can Leeds frustrate Arsenal sufficiently to stop them winning the game, Mark? Not enough, Matt, no. They, they, they can frustrate them. I think they've started to look a better team under Garcia. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But, you know, um, it was like kamikaze football when they beat Bulls. That, that, that could have been anything. That game, and they, they can't, they can't go to Chelsea and play, play like, play like. Sorry, go to um, to, Arsenal. to Arsenal and play. Yeah, to Arsenal and play like that, Matt. They will be committing football in suicide if they do so. Do you see any hope for Leeds, Tony, in this game? Well, the two boys in midfield, Matt, are competitive, tenacious. You know, McKenney and Adams. I always well, Adams is gone for the rest of the season. Oh, He's Matt, gone. where all these changes in international and stuff and whatever. Um, yeah, well, look, they've been competitive in there. But like Mark said, you know, when you're... And Leeds have been a bit like this, even this season without Bielsa. They still look like at times they will be reckless in the way they defend. Um, I don't hold much hope for you, Matt, because... Arsenal have got really a free... They play this game, to, obviously, tomorrow. Then they, they're not playing again to the end of next weekend. So, you know, every idea that they have and everything they practice and got their drills in midweek is to combat what Leeds have. And so it's going to be a long afternoon. You know, you've, you've had a couple of really decent results of late as well, Matt, which has made a big difference. Rodrigo coming back, bit of a plus, you know, at how much he'll get his full fitness up to speed. Bamford sort of played a bit. I'd... Matt, I, I, I'm trying to make a, give you a reason, but I, I just don't see one that's going to stop Arsenal scoring goals against you. Yeah, I think the key thing is keeping players fit for Nottingham Forest on Tuesday night, given that yeah. there's a few out at this stage. And I suppose that's the way a lot of the teams down at the bottom are looking. But then, Mark, what about the game on Sunday? Repeat the Carabao Cup final. 
but this time Newcastle are home to Manchester United. Will that make a difference for Manchester United have to go to St James's Park? Yeah, no, it will. And I think, you know, I think Newcastle, um, when, they, when they played in the Carabao Cup, they were in the start of a, a slump for a want of a better dis- description and then they've lost a couple of games since. But it, I just feel in the last couple of games, they started to look stronger again. And uh, and the guy they, they signed from Sociedad is Isaac or Isaac. He's he's yeah. looked and, and scored goals, um, and he looks <clears throat> really really lively and defensively. He got better, so I think it's a really tough tough game. I think Newcastle will beat Manchester United at the weekend. I really do. United have ro- the road. They look a little bit in one or two of the games since the Liverpool game, obviously. Um, and I just think that they might get the comeuppance at, uh, at Newcastle. Yeah, could it be, Tony, that Newcastle are over their wobble and the Manchester United are in theirs? Yeah, well, I mean, the last two games, man, I mean, seeing them both winning at Forest and then beating Wolves at home, Newcastle sort of found their feet. OK, they're narrowly winning games. They, in, of late, Matt, they've looked like they haven't been able to score a goal. Callum Wilson has gone off the boil slightly, but like Mark says, Isaac has come back into the team and looks like in the last few weeks, especially at Forest away, that, you know, that he can deliver goals towards the end of the season. They're a decent side, Matt. They've really played well in many games I've watched this season, and they don't concede many goals. I like Mark. I think this is a really tough game for Manchester United, Matt. I think they're a decent enough side to go and get a result, Newcastle. Okay, and Tottenham don't play until Monday night when they go to Everton, and they could be behind Newcastle by the time they go there. Have they done the right thing now, do you think, in the setup that they have with Antonio Conte fired, Tony? Um, well, they've definitely done the right thing, Matt, as in Antonio Conte. You know, Matt, one, one golden rule in football, and Mark would know this from, you know, Liverpool days and as we've been all around in our careers, that, you know, managers don't like players that don't particularly want to stay at the club. They all, I have always felt, why would you try and keep someone who doesn't want to be there? And Antonio Conte, Matt, done everything in his power to really make his job impossible to, to keep him. And I, I think Tottenham, they didn't make a brave decision. They made a decision that they had to do. You know, his rant after the Southampton game was so ridiculous. To me, it just sounded... Well, he's accusing everybody else of being selfish. I thought he'd done the most selfish act of anybody because he literally mm-hmm. hang out everybody to dry. You know, from the owner to the, the you know, the, uh, the chairman in Daniel Levy and, OK, he retracted some of that. But nailing all the players, Matt, there was never ever any comeback from that. You was only going one direction, Matt. And I, I personally think it's a move uh, that will be a positive for Spurs in the long term, but I do think there's going to be a lot of issues between now and the end of the season, especially if they don't make the top four as well. Well, indeed. So, Matt, can you, if you're going for the top four, Mark, can you really be doing that with an interim manager rather than going out and getting the top class manager that a lot of Tottenham fans want? Well, yeah, but I mean, who do you get, Matt? That's that's, and you might throw one or two names, but you've got to think about this long and hard as well. Mm-hmm. And the, the the guy who's in control at the moment, um, which obviously was Conte's assistant, has, has done okay apart from that um, debacle against Sheffield United. And listen, listen, Conte's rant was just an excuse to pack his bags and go back to Italy, which he was always going to do. We've spoken about this a few times, and some of the things he said over the course of the season. He only, I only, he only signed an eighteen-month contract. He was, he was never going to stay there. So from, from, I, I think, I think Tottenham might kick on a little bit. Although, I must admit, going to Everton on, is it what a Monday night? It, it's, it's a tough one. But I think they've got enough about them. And also, is, is that 
you know, Kane is in such such a great run of form and scoring, etc. Um, and they, as I say, when Conte's not been managing and the other guy's been 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 taken over, they've actually played better and looked better. So um, I still think they'll make, they'll make the top four, Tottenham. Of course, when you talk about short-term decisions, Tony, what do you think of Crystal Palace firing Patrick Vieira only to replace him with the 75-year-old Roy Hodgson who they'd gotten rid of less than two seasons ago? Uh, well, I was sitting next to Roy Hodgson at a dinner about three weeks ago, Matt, and I was asking him about, you know, football of a job come out, and he went, if one came about, I'd still be interested. So I, when the, I heard about Patrick Vieira, I sort of thought, well, he might have been tapped up a bit before that, Matt. <laughs> um, I, I quite like it in the fact that Vieira's Palace were in complete freefall. I went to a couple of games, Matt. I don't live too far from the Palace, and they're dreadful to watch, Matt. They really were towards the end. And when you've got Ize and you've got Elise and you've got Zahar, OK, he's come back from injury, and others, Matt, there's enough there for them to win games. They're quite solid defensively as well. Um, so I just felt it was inevitable I just think they're so conscious of staying in the Premier League. They just want the safest hands that they got, yeah. Matt, in, in a manager. And I think they just would always turn to Roy. And Roy won't be kidding himself. He'll know that it probably is only going to be to the end of the season. But if short-term works, Matt, don't ignore it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, though, Mark, that apparently one of the big criticisms that Palace had of Vieira was that he was too soft on the players. It's an amazing to think that after all those fiery exchanges over the years between himself and Roy Keane on the football pitch and the way Keane was <laughs> in management, that Vieira, of all things, gets accused of being too soft. Well, yeah, but I mean, listen, managers, when, when they lose their jobs, man, and especially with players, will, will get accused of all sorts of different things. The players who played for him on a regular basis were really like him. The ones who weren't in the team or they were in and out of the team probably thought he was absolutely hopeless. I think that's the way that football is. Um, I thought at, at times earlier on in the season, certainly before the World Cup, that you know the, the movement was great. One or two players in midfield were, were, were you know, very, very skillful. But they've just dried up in terms of scoring goals. And I get the Roy Hodgson thing. Um, you know, he, he knows most of them. He knows the owner. And if they just stay up, Matt, honestly, even by goal difference, it's a massive win for Palace because their owner is quite cute and, and, and he knows if, if they go down, they're going to have a hell of a job coming back up th- through the championship, even though generally the three relegated clubs from, from the Premier League, at least two of them normally come back. But I think for Palace would be a really big struggle. So I think it's quite quite a cute signing. And listen, if he, if he stays up, they probably give him a few quid, say thank you very much and go and get another manager. It's a remarkable relegation battle, the likes of which we've never seen with about 10 teams right in the mix. Nine anyway, certainly. And a lot of relegation six-pointers this weekend, Tony, because you've got Nottingham Forest at home to Wolves, Crystal Palace, who we've mentioned at home to a Leicester City team who were going badly again, and West Ham at home to Southampton. I think, Tony, a lot of people would have assumed that Leicester and West Ham are way too good to go down. But there seems to be an enormous amount of Leicester City players out of contract either this summer or the following year, so they might be sold during the summer. Is that type of thing perhaps way on a squad that they feel, well, they're heading for break-up and on the way out anyway, and that that could sink them? 
Yeah, I think you've got a really valid point. And, you know, if you take the... If you had to consider the start of the season, Matt, the, this stage of it, the season, that Jamie Vardy had had one league goal, Premier League goal, you wouldn't have thought that, you know. And with that, Dak has come in. You've had uh, Hiernacho as well. They, they do OK, but it, it's still not to what Vardy did for the club. Um, Madison's been their shining light nearly all season. Tillemans is one who's out of contract and... You know, I, I, the one that's amazed me is Ndidi, which is a midfielder. Is, you know, he, he's been a real good player for recent years. And I know he's had his injuries this year, but he's not played nowhere near to what we know he's capable of. And then injuries at the back. I mean, Michael Matt, start of season, that was one of the quietest £1 million transfers. He'd served nearly 11 years at the club. And he left, you know, without a whimper. Nothing was really said when he, he left to go to Nice in France. It's been a really strange... So a scenario that's developed at, uh, at Leicester City with well, the way players have gone in and out of the football club and also some of the performances, Matt, uh, have been a left, uh, you know, a lot to be desired in the way they've played this year. They've been really good at times, but mainly been pretty poor. All right. Matt, yes, Mark, just to finish well, off. They, yes. They've had, they've had no investments, have they, this year when you look at in, few, in previous years, the amount of money they spent. I think the players look around the dressing room and one or two, well, more than one or two, just don't fancy it. So they've got a real, real problem. I wouldn't mind betting that Brendan Rodgers doesn't see the season through. Thank you very much, Mark Lawrence and Tony Casquino. The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.